0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God.
1: Can we clap our hands for everybody joining us online? We're so glad for every one of you, and we're working so hard to be able to be able to uh, minister to you. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you everybody in the room. Can you just look around the room, wave at somebody, catch their eye, just... Let them know, hey, I'm glad you're here. I see you, you exist, and I am glad that you're here. I don't know what it is about churches, but I've proven it time and time again Uh, when I was visiting churches and looking at churches. It's possible to enter a church somehow and not be greeted by a single person. It is possible, but that is not acceptable here. We've got to love one another here, and we have got to greet one another here, and we've got to share the love of Jesus and if there's something in between you and doing that, these altars will be open before days over. Let's get all that taken care of. Everybody said amen on that. Amen. All right. How many of y'all are leaders? Would you raise your hand if you're a leader in this place? Anybody a leader? We've got a few hands around here. All right. You can put those down. The world is in
0: need of more cell phones.
1: The world is in need of more penthouses, right? More movies. We need more streaming services for crying out loud. We need more of them, don't we? <laughs> oh, my God. Redemption Plus coming to you this, this new year. Just, yeah. yeah. Oh no, the world is in need of leaders. At every level, the world is looking for leadership. Governments at every level, federal, state, city, we're constantly firing one leader in hopes that the next one is going to work out, right? Oh man, see you in four years, right? Every business that wants to make it in this turbulent economy is looking for leadership to help that happen. The culture is looking for leadership. Your family, your children. Your spouse looking for leadership. The world is in need of leaders, and I forgot to tell you, my name is Chris Fluitt. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church, and I want to just mark this down for everybody. Here it is: Christian should be the best leader. Somebody say, "Amen!" If you believe it, Christians should be the best leaders in a world in need of leaders. A Christian. A follower of Jesus should be in great demand. Churches should be leadership centers. People should drive by a church. And instead of saying, oh, those people over there with their judgmental things, their blah, blah, blah. Instead of that, they should be driving by the church. And they should be exclaiming, there are some problem solvers right over there. They ought to be talking to their son and say, son, I don't know what it is about those people, but those are some wise people. Those are some brave innovators. Those are people who seem to see what can't be seen. It's almost like they know what is going to happen before it happens and without fail march undaunted into the struggle. There's something about those people over there, son, those. Our leaders. Oh, that the world would say that about the church of Jesus Christ. Christians should be the best leaders because Jesus is the greatest leadership model. He's absolutely the best. You want to study a good leader, you need to get out your Bible and study Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're hearing me say that, and you might be questioning if it's true. I understand that. How can Jesus be a better leader? Than Jeff
0: Bezos, Elon Musk,
1: Bill Gates, is he really a better leader than some on the world's governmental stages? How how is this Jesus Christ a better leader? How do you calculate that? Well, in order for me to prove to you that Jesus is the greatest leader of all time, you need to understand what leadership is. Leadership is one word and know this if you've been around me long you know this word somebody shout out that word leadership is what influence everybody said influence thank you alex leadership is influence leadership is influence one word say it one more time influence, influence. now i asked you to raise your hand if you're a leader at the beginning of the sermon you remember that yeah some of you did not raise your hand okay we caught it all on video
0: no exactly the ones that didn't raise their hand. But no, I'm kidding. Let me tell you why you didn't raise your hand. I'll tell you why. You believe that leadership is a position or a
1: title that appears on an organizational flow chart. There's a CEO, there's a CFO, there's a regional manager, there's the assistant to the regional manager. And where are you on the see my name doesn't show up on the flow chart, so I'm not a leader. Or perhaps you believe leadership is a degree. It's the the BS behind your name, or the BA. Uh, to the pure, all things are pure, children. All right. A degree or certificate that you earn with some time. A skill that you're born with. A lot of people think that about leadership, right? Uh, it's, it's something you're born with, and you either have it or you don't have it. Leadership is none of those things. Leadership is none of those things. Leadership is influence. What is influence? It's the capacity to affect change. Every one of you should have raised your hands, and I want us to have that mentality going forward when somebody asks, is there a leader present, that we would be willing to step into that because we know we're called by God to effect change in this world. Are there any world changers in here? On this Pentecost Sunday, when the church was filled with the power of God, can we have some world changers that would now raise their hands? Any leaders in the room, raise your hands. Come on, we're influencers. We're bringing great change. All of you have influencers. There's amazing stats about that. I remember reading... um, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership author. Help me remember his name. Anybody remember his name? Gosh, his name just left my brain. It's not in my notes, obviously. But there it is. Thank you, Dad. John Maxwell. God bless you, Dad. And he has amazing stats on the amount of influence. Even those that feel like they're not influential have. The most introverted person that never talks to anybody Turns out to influence thousands of people every year. Everybody has got a level of influence. That includes you. You are an influencer. You may be a single parent, and you might think, not me, not a leader, but I would tell you, you are hugely influential to your kids, you are hugely influential to your peers. You are influential to other people's kids. Moms and dads, you are influential to the neighbor's kids. You are a leader in your neighborhood. You may be a young person today, and you might feel like I'm not old enough to be a leader. There's like a gay age that has to happen. Like when I'm 20, that's when I'll become a leader. When I'm 40, that's when I'll become a leader. Or like we can't get a president that doesn't seem to be, you know, ancient these days, right? Can't even get them to run. But uh, so but I would tell you even those young people you are hugely influential and people are looking for your thoughts. I love to see young people that know Jesus and are brave enough to share their thoughts about Jesus because the world is looking for a young person that's got those kind of guts and they care about what you think. You see, less and less people will care about Me, because they'll think, oh, you've got to say that you're a pastor. You got to say that you belong to that denomination. But you see a young person that isn't giving their life to something meaningless, that hasn't run off the cliff of crazy, and they stand up there, and they're full of love, and they care about somebody. My God, that's a leader. Give us some young people like that. Young people, you listen up. Young people, you are not too young to be a leader. You're full of influence. You may be a retired grandparent who says, I'm too old to be a leader. I'm going to tell you that leadership has no retirement age. I would tell you that your grandparents, that you are more influential in our culture than ever. Your grandchildren, more grandchildren are looking to their grandparents for influence than ever before. Every single person in this room has influence. The kind of influence you have is different. The kind of influence, the area of influence may be different. The amount of influence may be different. But every person listening to me right now, you listen. You have influence. You are a leader. Leadership is influence. And I want to tell you that no one has ever been more influential than our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? amen? No one has influenced the world more. Jesus we mark our time by the birth of Jesus pretty influential nobody BC does not stand for before Chris December 22nd 1979 I came along nobody counts the world like that but they do Jesus Christ BC means before Christ A.D. means Anno Domini. It's Latin for the year of our Lord. Why is it the year 2021? Because 2021 years ago, a single person named Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's why it's the year 2021. Our Jesus holds that kind of influence that we even mark our time with him. What are the two mostly? widely celebrated holidays on the face of the planet. Christmas and Easter. It's the most widely celebrated by by far. What what is Christmas? It's the day we celebrate the birth of one influential person named Jesus. And what is Easter? It's the day we celebrate the resurrection of one influential person. (laughs) We name Jesus. my goodness, I don't think y'all would even remember my birthday if Facebook didn't tell you. (laughs) And and then things get really strange on Facebook. One year, we had a lady in our church. I don't know what happened, but she must have read like an old notification or something. And it was like six months after my birthday. And she just writes on my newsfeed. She just writes, Happy birthday, Pastor Chris. And my gosh, I got like 80 happy birthday things from people. And I'm like, it's not even my birthday. But it's just good to be remembered. (laughs) Lord, finally answered my prayer. Somebody cares. I want you to imagine with me
0: the teachings of one man.
1: Could the teachings of one man ever change the world? Oh, the teachings of Jesus absolutely changed the world. His teachings influenced the creation of colleges, hospitals, institutions like legal systems. Governments have built their, their whole foundation on the words of Jesus Christ.
0: Imagine... You don't think he's influential. You you don't even
1: spend a dollar that doesn't have a print on it in God we trust. Imagine you lived two thousand years ago for a moment. Just think about this, and imagine you were the gambling type. Any gambling types in here? All right, but but you and I were going to gamble two thousand years ago. Uh, we were going to gamble on who would have the most. Lasting influence. Would it be the world empire of Rome. With their military might. That was capturing the entire globe. Nation after nation. Falling down to worship the Caesar. The emperor on the throne of Rome. Would it be Rome. It's military might. Tradition.
0: And it's Caesar. Or would it be a single
1: Jewish man in Israel? Place your bets. Place your bets on that. I would tell you that there is no way you have placed your money on any Jewish man, but especially some random man in a backwater town in Israel. You would have never picked Jesus. Imagine a little baby born in poverty, born in a stable, laid in a manger. Imagine a, born, a baby born under the shadow of Roman government, under the emperor Caesar. In fact, Caesar is even pushing him around at the beginning of his life. And that's how he ends up in Bethlehem to be born to begin with. Imagine this man working as an ordinary carpenter. Imagine this man calling who to be his followers, but simple, uneducated fishermen. And yet, all throughout the world, we name our children after this Jesus' is followers. You name your children Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter. And you know who you name Nero and Caesar? You name your dog Nero. You name your dog Caesar. Because no one... No one has influenced the world more than Jesus. Can we give him a clap? He's the best. Hallelujah and praise be to Jesus. You're our leader, God. We're following you always. He is the greatest leader you could ever follow and we get to follow him. You can go to the bookstore and you can go to the section called Self-Help. It's actually my favorite section in Barnes & Noble. You can find many, many leadership books in this section. I recommend you read these books. There's some good books that you can read. There's a lot of great things you can learn there. There are many books I recommend you find. But I really want to suggest that the best leadership book of all is your Bible. Because it shows you the greatest leadership model in Jesus Christ. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking. We're going to be studying the greatest leader of all time. And learning how we can lead like Jesus. I promise you, I don't make promises lightly from this spot. I promise you that if you will come to every installment of this series, you will feel like a better leader. You will be a better leader. Leader. Your family will be blessed by your leadership. Your work will be blessed by your leadership. The world will be blessed by our leadership. If we will come, we will listen and we will take down the leadership model of Jesus Christ. That's a big promise, but I promise it to you today. Five weeks. This is week one. We're going to be talking about these five things the heart of a leader, the hands of a leader the head of a leader, the habits of a leader, and the legacy of a leader. Today, I want to talk to you about the heart of a leader. Everybody say heart. Before we talk about any strategy, about any habit, any piece of knowledge, we must talk about the heart. The most important part of a leader is the heart. Proverbs 4.23, this is a verse everybody needs to understand. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Good leadership does not flow from a book, a business plan, or a really inspiring speech. Good leadership flows from the heart, because everything flows from the heart. The simple concept is where everyone messes up, actually. Everybody messes up at this concept. Here's why. Every book on leadership, every conference, every seminar focuses on the what. Just tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it. Those are the two things they focus on. These are the five things you need to do immediately when you get back to the office. Go, oh, I'm going to do those things. This is how I'm going to do it. This is what I'm going to do. But to lead like Jesus, you start with the heart. You start with the why. Everybody say the why. Why? If your heart, if your why is not right, then your what and your how will never be right. Your what and your how are incredibly important, but it all flows from the heart. It flows from the why. So why do you want to lead? That's an important question. What is your motivation? What is the heartbeat of your leadership? Your motivation to be a leader is essential. Before you ever call your meeting. Before you ever start your organization. If you do not correct your heart's motivation. You will actually fail before you begin. You've seen that. You've seen somebody. Climb the ladder and they become your boss. And everybody around you looks at them and goes, oh, I know them. I know what they're about. I know their heart. I know that they are only looking out for number one. And immediately, those person's days as a leader are already doomed. Their days are numbered because of their
0: heart. The question of why is all about the heart.
1: So what is the heart of the leader saying? I want to talk to you about a book. You can actually find at Barnes & Noble. It's called The Motive. Leadership author, Patrick Lincioni, in his book, The Motive, does one of the best jobs at addressing the motivations to lead. He boils it all down to two driving motivations. Number one is reward. Number two is responsibility. His whole book just gave it to you in two words. Reward and responsibility. Let's explain what he means by reward and responsibility. Reward. If reward is your motivation, it means you're motivated by the perks and the power of leading. See, you know what that looks like, right? Mm. Oh, I get one of those shiny, shiny signs that says manager. Parks here, right? Leader parks here. Oh, principal parks here. Pastor parks here. They're like, whoa, like everybody. Whoa, somebody's in my parking space, right? That's the perks. It's the power that is reward. Responsibility. What is that? You are motivated by the responsibility to serve, to
0: care. For the people that you lead, reward
1: wants a bigger salary, the bigger office. That's why they work harder. That's why they show up early, the higher position on the org chart. Reward wants people to notice them, think higher of them. Reward wants fun. And we've seen bosses do this. Listen here. You'll use your power to assign the boring. Menial, junk assignments to other people, so that you can do what you're interested in doing. That's reward. That's some of the reason why people want to shoot up the ladder. If money doesn't impress them, if, if position doesn't possess them, uh, impress them. They just want to not do that. So I'll become the boss, so I don't have to do that. Guess what? It doesn't really work that way, but they think it does. So that's why they rush. To the top. Responsibility is completely different. Responsibility wants to serve. It wants to help. And it wants to lift up the ones we lead. When we think about Jesus as the ultimate leadership model, which of these two motivations does Jesus display without fail? Responsibility. Everything that Jesus did as a leader was out of a heart to serve. Nothing Jesus did was out of personal reward. Nothing. Not one time. Not even close. Not even for a moment. Think about the posture of Jesus. Physical posture. What does he do? He kneels down to ride in the dirt to rescue a woman caught in the act of adultery. He bends down and takes dirt in his hand to heal a blind man. He reaches down to pick up the children. He kneels. Down in prayer. That is the posture of Jesus. Not reward, but responsibility. Jesus teaches us this. When you bend down to serve, God can lift you up to lead. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. When you bend down to serve, it invites God to lift you up. I want to tell you that when you focus on the responsibility It allows God to focus on your reward. It is so much better for God to give you the reward than for you to beat someone over the head and take it. Guess what? If you can beat someone over the head and take it, someone else can beat you over the head and take it. But if God gives you a reward, Who
0: could ever take it from you? If God is for you,
1: who could be against you? It allows God to say these words to you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my happy reward. Who wants to hear him say those words one day? He says those words to faithful servants. He says that to people of responsibility. But having accepted that responsibility, they walk right in to happy reward prepared to them by God himself. Jesus is more than just a leader. He is a servant leader. He leads by serving. Jesus did not just bark out orders. We've all had that, that boss, right, that just barked out orders. That coach that all they did was scream at you. They just bark out orders. And then go back and sit in their cushy cushy office? No. Jesus does not act that way. Jesus served out of responsibility. Jesus serves out of love. In fact, when you see the word responsibility, I want you to now put a tag under or replace it even with the word love. Responsibility is
0: love. When you focus on the responsibility, it allows God to bring you the reward. Are you leading like Jesus? Are you after responsibility, serving? Or are you
1: after reward? Turn with me in Matthew chapter 20. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn to 20 and 20. Matthew 20, 20. Where we will see a great example of responsibility And reward motivation. You'll never forget it after you read it with me. Jesus had just told his disciples. For the third time. That he will suffer death on the cross. And then this happens. Verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons. Came to Jesus with her sons. And kneeling down. Asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said. Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Two disciples, their names are James and John. They come to see Jesus with their mommy. Everyone say mommy. Mommy, Mommy, please come with me to see my boss. What are they seeking? They're seeking reward. They're seeking promotion. They're seeking status in Jesus' kingdom. Now, they're in the right kingdom because they got the wrong heart in the right kingdom. You see that? James and John, who have been walking with Jesus for around three years, bring their mom to ask Jesus for them. When was the last time you brought your mom to your boss to help you negotiate your raise? Anybody? When was the last time you did that? Robert, don't do that. Don't do that, right? Don't mommy, can you come? Hey boss, this is my mommy. (laughs) Go ahead, mommy.
0: (laughs) But this is exactly what James and
1: John did. Weird thing to do, guys. Way to make it awkward. This was this had to be an awkward moment. Sons of Thunder was their nickname. (laughs) This is not very Sons of Thunder-ish. All right. The mom asked Jesus to pick one of their sons to sit at his right hand, that means second in command, and pick the other son to sit at your left, which is third in command in your kingdom. And isn't it nice she lets Jesus decide which of her two sons she's going to pick? I wonder why. (laughs)
0: Jesus had been trying to instill into his disciples responsibility, serving, loving other people,
1: not viewing people like the Pharisees saw them, but to see people at their need and to love them towards the kingdom. That's what Jesus had been trying to teach them every day. Not once or twice. Every day, Kathy. This is what our Jesus was trying to teach them to do. Yet James and John and their mom are focused on the reward. How do you think that made Jesus feel? But I want to tell you, James and John, their mom were not the only ones with the wrong motivation. Let's jump to verse 24, Matthew 20 and 24. When the ten, what ten? The ten other disciples. Right? James and John are disciples. There's ten other ones. When they heard about this, heard about what? <laughs> they heard about James and John and their mommy. When they heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. The ten disciples heard about what James and John were trying to do. They became indignant. They became angry. They were hacked off. They didn't want to talk to them. They were talking behind their back. Why? 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 Why were they acting that way? Why were the other ten that way? The other ten were that way because they too were after reward. That's why it bothered them so much. They weren't about the responsibility. They said, they're going to get my reward. That should be me in there. Yeah. They all thought that this Jesus was going to be an earthly king. And that following Jesus would lead to position. That it would lead to power. That it would lead to cash money in the bank. All 12 of the disciples are jockeying for the reward of being tops on Jesus' organizational flow chart. the other ten disciples were mad at the brothers because they thought, why didn't I do that first? Yeah. Why didn't I think, hey ma, come talk to Jesus for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus revealed his heart of responsibility as he just told them for the third time that he was going to serve the whole world by dying a horrific death. Death on the cross. He just told them for the third time. And they couldn't even understand this. Because even as Jesus is revealing their heart. They are all scheming for the reward. That is exactly why these disciples were so blown away that Jesus actually died on the cross. It's not that he didn't tell them. Jesus told them. Oh, come on. Let's preach to ourselves. It's exactly why we're blown away. And we act like God is so mysterious. God's not mysterious. He's told you exactly what he's about. He's revealed his heart to you so much. The problem is not his heart. It's our heart. Being after the reward. I told you responsibility to replace it with the word love. Let's work. Let's replace the word reward. You know what reward is for us? It's pride. It's ego. And it's fear. Here is how Jesus responds to this bold request by James and John's mommy for reward. Verse 22. He looks at this group of three. The brothers and the mother. And he says, you don't know. What you're asking. Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup? I am going to drink. We can.
0: They answered.
1: Jesus says. You don't get it. You don't even understand. They wanted a place at his right. And his left. And Jesus had just told them. About his death on the cross. Now remind me on the cross. Was there a king to his right? Where is there a big celebrity to his left? No. Do you want to place on his right and his left? Oh, do you understand what you're asking? No, on his right and on his left were outcasts on his right and on his left were those accused of being thieves on his right and left were people who would die upon a cross. You want to be on Jesus' right and his left? Do you even understand what cup you would have to drink from? And they said, yep, we do. Sign us up. Jesus asked, can you drink the cup? I am going to drink. Now, this should all remind us. When he talks about this cup I'm going to drink, it should remind us of Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane that very night before he's taken And he asks God three times, let it pass from me. But Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And Jesus drinks the cup of wrath for us. Not a cup of reward, a cup of wrath. And these brothers, James and John, they say so quickly, yeah, we can. It's one of the most dangerous things about a job interview. If you're the boss and you're hiring somebody, say, can you do this? They are already going to say, yes, I can. Because they want the job. That's, that's why they don't even have to be honest about it. They, they're going to tell you. And then they're gonna like, well, I'll figure it out later. I'll Google that. Yeah. Can you handle this? Oh, yeah, we can. Absolutely. Yes, sign us up. Right hand, left hand, that's us. But they are only thinking about the reward. The rest of the disciples are only thinking about the reward. All 12 of the disciples are now all hacked off at each other. And everyone is thinking, oh, they're going to receive a greater reward than me. I'm not going to let... Oh, I got some... I know about Judas. I'm going to make sure he doesn't... Oh, Peter, Andrew. Oh, man... Gosh, that Thomas over there, I heard he has doubt issues. Simon, I heard he's a zealot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find my way. I'm going to position myself to get the best reward. And if, if they get a better reward from me, I just, ooh, they better, they better look out. So Jesus calls a leadership timeout. Jesus just pauses everything right here in Matthew. And has a leadership powwow. He has a seminar right here and he teaches on leadership. He calls them all together. Wouldn't it be amazing to sit in on that leadership meeting? You can. You read your Bible and you do. It's right there in the word of God. We're going to look at it. He teaches all of them, all the 12, about the true heart of a leader. Matthew 20, verse 25. Look at these words with me. Please focus. Look at these words with me. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Jesus tells them something they already know. How do we know that? He says, it's the first two words. Jesus called them together and said, You know. There are some things you already know, but Jesus has to tell you them anyway. Jesus says, the rulers of the Gentiles. Now, Jesus here is directly referencing a Gentile nation. What nation do you think that is? It's Rome. It is the nation of Rome. They are lording over what nation as they speak? Israel. Israel can't do a thing without Rome's permission. So he is directly referencing this Gentile nation of Rome and how their leaders exercise authority over others. Every leader in Rome, every leader in Rome has a reward motivation. That's how every one of them acted. Every leader built up more and more power so they could get more and more Power, so they could get more and more riches. And also, they would use their power to push everyone else down. That's what they would do. Jesus told the disciples, you know this. It would have been impossible for them not to know this. And the disciples are like this. This is how the disciples are. They're like, yeah, Jesus, that's what we want. We want power like the Roman authorities have power. We want to be able to have those riches and push everyone down. Nobody pushes back on Jesus at this point, it is what is in their heart. Today, I ask you, is it in our heart? Is that what's in our heart? To, to get riches at whatever cost we can get, then push other people down just so we can get there quicker, faster, and more of it. Looking back at the text, the words, Lord it over them, Jesus uses. And he says, exercise authority over them. Both have the same root Greek word, kata. Everyone say kata. Kata. And it means to put others down. Twice he uses this phrase, kata, that you know how the Gentile nation is. They will put you down. They will use their authority to put you down. They will lord it over you to put you down. The disciples were okay with putting others down. So that they could receive reward. As we look through the gospels. We see just that. Jesus don't mess with those kids. Don't talk to those kids. There are other people over here that are wealthy. They are more worth your time. Jesus what are you doing? Talking to that Samaritan woman. Jesus if you really knew who that woman was. That was anointing your head with oil. And crying on you. And drying the, with her hair. If you really knew Jesus, you wouldn't do that. They would put all of those other people down. We see that this is, we're not not talking about the Pharisees. I'm talking about the disciples. The very disciples of Jesus had the wrong heart. And Jesus is grabbing them by the heart and trying to change it. Redemption Church, can Jesus grab us by the heart today? Can he change our hearts today? Lord, change our hearts. Grab me right by the heart today. Every
0: leader in Rome was reward motivated.
1: And the disciples were okay with that. The world is overflowing with this kind of leadership. It is the leadership model of Rome, it is the leadership model of the world to put others down so that you can receive the reward. It is actually easy for us to justify this kind of leadership because it is so prevalent. It would be really easy for us all to justify it in ourselves and say, it is okay for me to be this way because everyone is this way. That's how self-justification works. But Jesus says
0: four words to the disciples. And he wants to say them to you tonight. Here are those four words.
1: Not so with you. not. So with you. Not so with you. He just talked about the reward, corrupt heart of Rome.
0: And he, in the same way, is talking about
1: their corrupt heart towards reward. And he declares, not so with you. Jesus draws a line. In the sand and says, no, my followers will not be like this. My kingdom is not motivated by putting others down so that you can get the reward. Jesus wants us to hear this redemption church. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? He will tell you not so with you. You want to be a leader in his kingdom? Not so with you. You cannot do it. The way the world is doing it. Jesus is telling them. I don't want you to ever have a heart motivation. That is all about you. And so Jesus. Offers them an alternate heart. For leadership. Verse 26. Matthew 20.
0: Not so with you. Instead. Whoever wants to become great among must become your servant. Verse 27, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. There's two words here. Servant. Can all deal with that word a little bit. Yeah, I can. That other word? There's even part of us says, is it
1: okay to even say that word? Definitely one of those words is easier to receive than the other. Let's talk about both those words. Servant, what is it? Servant means focused on doing things for others rather than oneself. If you are anything like me, you're okay with that one. But you're probably already bracing against the next word. You're you're saying in, in your heart, That, you know, I'll serve others and everyone, but you know what? I am slave to no one, right? But this is the exact word that Jesus uses. So what are we going to do about that? Well, let's talk about what the word slave means. Slave, someone bound to obey their master's commands
0: and teachings. What is a slave? A slave is someone bound to obey their master's commands and teaching.
1: I want to tell you, serving is not a suggestion, but a command of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't get to decide when
0: and how we will serve. We are slaves to a master named Jesus.
1: We are bound to obey his command. Is that true? Is that true of you? Don't, don't freak out over that word, slave. This means that when Jesus tells me to serve someone, I don't get to say no. Because he's my master, I should go and serve them exactly how the Lord Jesus told me. To serve them. When Jesus says to forgive someone, I don't get to say no. I don't get to throw it back up with Jesus. Jesus, obviously, you aren't paying attention. Here's what they did. You don't get to do that. Jesus Christ is your master, and you are bound to obey his command. If you're having trouble with this, you know what you need to do? You need to check. Your heart. Check out your heart. I would ask you to check your motivation because I guarantee you're focused on reward and not responsibility. If you lead for any reason other than to serve others, you will never be a great leader. Now, don't get me wrong. You might have some spurt moments where it looks pretty good you will have a crashing down end. You've seen it time and time again. You can fool some of the people some of the time. You cannot fool all the people all the time. And if you lead for any other reason than serving others, it's going to reveal itself. And when it does reveal itself, you, your leadership is going to crash and it will burn. It's impossible to lead like Jesus. If you won't serve like Jesus. I'll say that one more time. It's impossible to lead like the great Jesus. If you won't serve like the humble Jesus. Jesus Christ did, did not just
0: give us this principle. He didn't just write the book to
1: sell it. Right? Some of those people do that. There are people, I've been around some leadership guru types And they are not well put together at all. (laughs) Whoa, I I spent some time, I made some videos for some leadership guys right there. And so I'm in the room with them and they're just, they treat everyone terribly, including me, but they're paying me. So I just shut up and film the stuff, right? (laughs) I'm like, these people, I wouldn't pay these people to lead my dog. I'm telling you, Jesus didn't just coin the phrase, put out a website. And just get people to give him a lot of money. No, he gave us the model. Because he gave us his life. (laughs) It's not a book idea. It's his life. And he gave you his life. Here is the next verse. We haven't left Matthew 20.
0: Verse 28. Just as the son of man did not come
1: to be served. But to serve to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, did not come to be served.
0: He didn't come to steal your reward. He didn't come for you to wash his feet. He didn't come
1: to be the big CEO. He came to serve us. He came to love us. He came to wash our feet. He even came to give his life as a ransom for many.
0: The greatest leader ever said that he did not come to be served, but to serve. I want you to think. Think about the people
1: who had the biggest influence on your life. It shouldn't take you long for some of those people to come to your head. Who who are those people? Think about it. I'm certain that the person that came to your mind just now is somebody who served you. Somebody who served you in a great, meaningful, impactful way. A parent who gave their life for you day after day. Kids, do we understand that's what moms and dads do when they go to work? Whoa, whoa. Thanks, Hudson. Kids, that's that's what parents are doing when they go to work. When they get up early in the morning, they're serving you. They love you. And they're giving their life for you every day. Hour by hour of their life. So that you can have a better life. Maybe you thought of a coach. A coach that spent extra time with you. Saw something in you that no one else did. And so coach not even making enough money. Spends extra time with you because he sees something in you. A teacher. Everyone said that you would not amount to anything, but yet you have this teacher that poured themselves into you. Not for themselves, not to get a reward.
0: Right? Being asked to write your college university recommendation letter is not a reward. No, they did it to serve you. What kind of leader are you
1: today? Reward leaders want you to realize their greatness. Servant leaders want you to realize your greatness. Reward leaders find their value in their performance plus the approval of others. I'm going to say that one more time. Reward leaders find their value in their performance plus their approval of others of others, I would tell you that's a miserable place to live. Because guess what? Your your performance is not a straight line going up. Your your performance is somewhat like this, a little bit. And then your approval of others is even more erratic.
0: Right? If you find your value, servant leaders find their
1: value in one place. Where is it? In God. That's where you want to find your value. Reward leaders hate criticism because it's all about them. But servant leaders, they willingly receive criticism because they understand they can use it to help them serve others better. And so it's no skin off their nose. They're like, I'm looking for a way to serve better anyway the world is in need of servant leaders the world has over 2 billion people who call themselves christian in it but the world is lacking those who lead like jesus
0: do you want to lead like jesus it starts with your
1: it starts with your heart can we ask him to change our heart today Can we ask Him to help us love like He loved and to take all the reward motivation out of us? Don't run from the conviction that you're feeling. Run directly towards it today. Come to this altar. That conviction is going to allow you to allow Jesus to shape and mold your heart into the leader that the world needs. Disciples.
0: For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us, and have a blessed day.